Are you ready for this morning's message today? Come on, let's pray. Let's believe God together. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for this great opportunity we have to study your word today. We're so excited about what you're about to do. We thank you, Father God, that you have a desire to help us, help us grow, help us be all that we can be. And Father, I thank you that you'll make this room today a giant counseling session. I believe, Father God, that you, I, I can't meet all these people in one place. I can't hold them all in one office. But Father, thank you that today you can touch them right at the point of their need, answer their questions, give them exactly the solution, the strategy on how to live a life that pleases you. And so, Father, thank you that your word will come across with clarity, with accuracy, and simplicity so we can immediately apply it to our lives. As always, we'll be so careful to give you all the honor, all the glory and praise. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Welcome again to week two in our series, I'm Not Satisfied, Living the Life God Intended. Looking forward to ministering this word to your hearts today. Listen very carefully to this statement. Your life is a gift from God. Your life is a gift from God. I pray you believe that today. I pray that that is something that you know for sure is the truth. Depending on the season of your life can oftentimes depend upon whether we actually believe that or not. Because there are certain seasons that are not as, as fun as others. Some are, are much more difficult and, and our identity is all over the map. And we wonder, is it true? Is it true that, 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 that my life is a gift from God, that your life is a gift from God? No matter what season you're going through, it's imperative you believe this today. Your life is a gift from God. Say it with me. My life is a gift from God. Please never allow any one season of your life to define the rest of your life. Don't let it happen. The enemy is working hard to make sure that one season, as difficult as that season might be, and as overwhelming and as heartbroken as you might be, and wondering, does my life matter? Does anybody care about me? Does anybody know I exist? And we go through these dark seasons, and, and you must never allow that dark season to ever identify you or convince you that you're not important, that your life is not valuable, because it's just not true. Amen. Amen. You, your life is a gift from God. Tell your neighbor that. Tell your other neighbor the same thing. Your life is a gift from God. Why am I hammering that so much? Because if you'll believe that, then you'll also believe this next statement. What you do with it is your gift to God. What you do with it is your gift to God. If you don't believe God's given you a life and that life is a gift, then you won't do anything with it. You'll settle. You'll not be all that God wants you to be. You'll not stretch yourself. You'll not go beyond your comfort zone. You need to believe that your life is a gift from God so that you will do something with it. And what you do with it, you present it back to God. God, you gave me this gift I present it back to you, Father, better than the way you gave it to me, better than how you offered it to me. I've done something with this life. I've improved this life. I went back to school. I went to church. I grew. I learned. I, I made an effort to be a better person. I'm not who I once was. Amen. That's so vital today. 
Why is that so important? Because you know, two weeks ago at Vision Sunday, we told you the mandate of IFC for 2018. Tell me what it is. Say it. Come dream with us. That's our mandate this year. We believe this is our year to do what? Blow off the dust off old dreams. In many cases, dream again. In other cases, begin to dream bigger. Amen. God is looking for more dreamers in 2018. Amen. Are you in the room today? Are you watching online today? God is looking for you to be a bigger dreamer. Amen. To dream again. Amen. God is looking for some folks that will say, you know what? I'll live my life bigger than me. Bigger than me. Dreamers dream their lives, and it's bigger than them. It's not about them. Amen. God's looking for some people that will give themselves to something bigger than themselves. Amen. Dreams. Dreams. We all have them. We all have them for our family, for our chosen vocation, for our finances. We, we all have a dream in our hearts. And, and, and have you ever wondered, like I have, if the dream you're dreaming is a God dream, or is it your overactive imagination dreaming something else up? I have. I've imagined. I've wondered. Is this dream of mine born of God or born of me? In fact, I've had the attitude more than once, dreams, I can't live with them and I can't live without them, right? Certain season, that dream seems so real. Man, it's surround sound, technicolor. You can reach out and boom, touch it. It seems so close and so real. Then there are other times, other seasons of your life, that dream seems so far away. It dreams like, can I, will it ever come to pass? What is that going to even look like? And you wonder, is it even real? Is it even something that is worth dedicating my life towards? Amen. Dreams are hard work. How many would agree with that? All you dreamers out there know, dreams are hard work. Amen. Ecclesiastes 5.3 in the Amplified says, For a dream comes with much business and painful effort. If you're going to dream of God's dream, it's going to take some work. Amen. It's hard work. I tell people all the time, you know, this amazing miracle of this building paid in full. We paid $7.1 million cash for this building. We have no mortgage here. It's a miracle from God. It really is. Amen. And somebody will say, man, pastor, miracles are awesome. And I'll say back to them, miracles are awesome. But I've learned one thing about miracles. They're expensive. They're expensive. I'm glad you don't have to pay the electric bill here, right? The heating bill, right? On and on and on it goes. It's wonderful, but just like dreams, as wonderful as they are, they are hard work. Amen. Now, I want to answer one very important question today. Are you dreaming God's dream? And how do I know? How do I know if I'm dreaming God's dream? Let's be real practical today. Let's, let's, let's put some meat on the bones of that dream. Let's, let's help you, set you up to be the dreamer that God wants you to be. So why is it so important to dream God's dream? Because when you dream God's dream, it will eventually lead to God's destiny for your life. 
Destiny, big picture, destination. Amen. God has a destination for you. God has a master plan for your life. God has a master plan, much like the, the cover of a puzzle box. Amen. You know that that's what this puzzle is supposed to look like. Open it up, and it can be overwhelming depending on how many pieces are in there. Right? Thousand-piece puzzle. Man, all these little pieces. Well, wow, sometimes that inside of that puzzle is like all the dreams coming together. A piece here, piece here, piece here, piece here. Before you know it, all the pieces come together and look like the outside of that box. There's a destiny, a picture God has for you. And He wants that picture to become a reality in you. Depending how long you've been around or how long you've been on this road, amen, God-inspired dreams begin to pave the road you must travel to fulfill your destiny. That's why it's so imperative that you're a dreamer and that you are dreaming God's dream. Okay, Pastor, how do I know if I'm dreaming God's dream? You ready? Yes. Number one. Thank you, Diane. Number one. Begin with God, not yourself. Man, that's so basic but so profound. Begin with God and not yourself. You'd be amazed how many good people are just out there doing their own thing, living life so naturally within their own wants, desires, and in, within their comfort zone, so separate from the God they say they love, but they're doing their own thing on their own timetable to what they want to do according to their desires. So many people doing it their own way. Amen. How do you know, pastor, if you're growing up in Christ? How do I know I'm maturing? Because it's no longer about you. You're finally saying, Lord, what is this about my life? Where does this, where, what direction should I be going in? Help guide me. You know, oftentimes we start college and university, and, and many times in our first few years, we still don't have a clue of what direction to go in. And we continually need to trust God. And sometimes we know before we start, right? Sometimes we know when we're younger, we're a teenager or whatever. Oftentimes it takes years to really want to, 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 want to know or to even discover. But we don't give up on the fact. We take it one step at a time, always asking, always beginning with God and not ourselves. Amen? Matthew 6.33 says, three different translations says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen. Very important verse for us here at IFC and for every child of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Amen. But first, be concerned about His kingdom and what has His approval. Imagine we lived our lives that way. What has his approval? What has he given you the green light to do? What has he given you the yellow light to proceed with caution? What has he given you that red light to say, no, 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 we're not going there. Amen. See, I believe in the green, yellow, and red light system. I apply it to my life on a daily basis. But because two-thirds of God's name is go, I'm always on a green light. Right? You got a good idea. You got a God idea. Man, for me, it's a green light. Until the yellow shows up or until the red shows up, I'm going after what's in my heart. How about you? Amen. Oftentimes we live only with the yellow light. Men are always afraid to do anything. We're always with our foot on the brake. And God's trying to, or, or a car in park. How many know you can't go anywhere with a car in park? That's profound. God must always be first. He must never be second. 
Say, he must never be second. Say it. Living the God first life is meaning bringing sure that your priority is in God first. Because when God is first, your number two will honor number one. Your number three will honor number one. Your number four will honor number one. Your number five will always honor number one. When number one's right, everything else becomes right. You line up, right? You line up when you live the God first life. Let's make sure we're contending for the God first life. Proverbs 3, 6 says in the Message Bible, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. Amen. Amen. Don't blindly go through life totally relying on your natural inclinations. It's more money. They don't, it doesn't snow there. Right? These natural indications. Uh, but I got a letter in the mail. I got accepted at that school. It must be God's will. I just had this feeling. I just, it feels right. And sometimes your feelings will lie to you. Right? So you can't rely on natural in- inclinations. Right? Because if you'll live by natural inclinations, man, you're going to probably fail nine times out of ten. Wow. A key verse that's helped me stay on track is found in Psalm 37.4, our key verse for today. The first part of the verse says, delight yourself in the Lord. It's a very important verse for me. It's a verse that helps me focus because the word delight is a huge word. The word delight means this. The word delight means to desire strongly, to take pleasure in, to bend the will towards, to be soft and pliable. Man, that's all heart. And that's imperative. You know, there's so many things in life that are pulling for our attention and pulling for our focus and and wanting us to bow down to this and bow down to this and this system and that philosophy and these various things. And as a child of God and as somebody who wants to make something of themselves and leave their mark in this world, we need to learn to delight in God and, and, and make sure that we are taking pleasure in Him and we desire Him strongly. We bend our will towards Him. We're soft and pliable. Jesus didn't come to start a a religion. He came to start a relationship, an ongoing healthy relationship that shows us His master plan for our lives. See, keep your heart pointed towards God. When you find your heart being pointed some other way, contend for the fact that you're going to live the God-first life. Point it back to God. When you point your life back to God, it's amazing how He'll guide you and He'll direct you. Amen. Amen. Not allowing distractions and other crazy things to stop you. Keep your heart tender. So then, dreaming God's dream is surrounded around God and not centered around you. Number two, you want to dream God's dream? Make sure. Number two, pay attention to the divine exchange. Say divine exchange. You heard Seth already talk about divine exchange. We believe in the divine exchange. It happens in worship. It happens in communion. It happens in prayer. It happens when you read the Bible. It happens every morning when you take time with God, this divine exchange. I like to say that every time I spend time with God, I'm turning in my six-volt battery for His power plant. That's a good divine exchange. 
right? Divine exchange. Well, there's a divine exchange when it comes to making sure you're dreaming God's dream. There's a divine exchange that takes place. Psalm 37, 4 again says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. I'll talk about divine exchange in a moment, but first of all, let me discuss for a few minutes this word desires. Say desires. Everything significant and life-changing that has ever happened in your life started with a desire. Really? Yeah. Think about it. Everything significant, everything life-changing that has ever happened in your life has started with a desire. We rarely reach for what we need. We will always reach for what we really want. Uh. If you desire miracles and blessings in your life, you'll need to learn how to be willing to reach for them. I've said this statement for years. Look, the grapes of blessing are never placed within your mouth. I know, I missed that one. Thank you. That was my fault. The grapes of blessing are never placed within your mouth. They are simply placed within your reach. Do you read that? The grapes of blessing are never placed within your mouth. They are simply placed within your reach. I know you like the picture of you kind of laying back with this good-looking woman over you, waving. <laughs> Hopefully she's your wife, right? Um, yeah, anyways. Um, waving this thing at this fan and, and just dropping these delicious plump grapes in your mouth. I know you want that to be the fantasy of your life, but that's not how God operates. God doesn't operate with the grapes just falling in your lap. You know how God blesses you? God blesses the who? The reacher. God rewards the, the reacher. His blessings are not placed in your mouth. They're right on the other side, right there, right there. They're not. He doesn't dangle it in front of you and, 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 and cheat you and, 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 and tempt you. They're not that far away, but, but He requires you to reach. Are you a reacher? Are you just too lazy to reach? Are you don't care to reach? Are you too passive and stuck on yourself to reach? I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to go after this my way. I'm going to do this thing my way. God rewards the reacher. I've been a reacher for, for as far back as I can remember. Amen. Even when I was back there reaching for things that weren't any good for me. I was still a reacher. Reaching for those things that got me in trouble. I was still a reacher. God hasn't changed my reach. He has just changed what I'm reaching after. Anybody here reaching for some better things than you reached in the past? Yeah, we reach for those things that got me in trouble. We reach for those things that seemed like I want to satisfy my own desires and my own selfish will. Amen. But thank God he didn't change me from being a reacher. I'm just reaching for him now. I'm just reaching for his plan now. I'm just reaching for his dreams now. I'm just reaching for his miracles now and his blessings now. I'm not reaching for all that other stuff that got me in so much trouble. Amen. Now I'm understanding the power of reach. Do you understand the power of your reach? Our desires are far more motivating than our needs. Desire, desire, desire. Go back to that, that, that slide that I missed. Life change 
doesn't begin with talent. It begins with desire. You have to have the desire first or you won't do anything. You have to want it. There are no shortcuts for desire. Man, that's so good. It was desire that inspired the Wright brothers to fly. It was desire that motivated Thomas Edison to persist through over 10,000 experiments that failed before he perfected what the incandescent light bulb. Amen. Lewis Braille lost both his eyes and complete eyesight when he was three years old in an accident in his father's harness shop. Somehow, as he went through life blind from age three, this desire dropped inside of him. If you read his story, this desire dropped inside of him to help the blind to read and write. He said, I, I'm going to come up with a system. Not only so I can read and write, but that others that are just like me can read and write. He came up with a system that was named after him, the Braille system, right? He didn't feel sorry for himself. I'm blind this terrible accident I haven't seen since I was three years old. That's not fair. It's not right. Life's been hard for me. Oh, my pity party. Instead, this desire dropped in him to say, you know what? I'm going to make my life. He didn't realize that we'd still be talking to him all these you know, decades later. Come on, right? Desire. The Apostle Paul had a desire. For two and a half years, he covered a space, Asia, we know, uh, as we learn in God's Word, two and a half years he worked in Asia. Two and a half years, and he, he did it mostly by foot. He didn't have a car. He didn't have a train. There was no boat. There was no bus, right? There, there, he, wasn't on, he wasn't on TV. He simply had a desire to obey God. A desire to obey God. Your strong desire will always make you go the extra mile, push you a little harder, reach a little higher. That's desire. That word desire has a wide range of meaning, from wish to urge to a request to even some more compelling definitions. Let's read one of those compelling definitions of where we're going today. Desire, the feeling that accompanies an unsatisfied state. Something that is desired intensely, a consuming passion. Oh, I like that. Intense desire, a consuming passion that is unrelenting. It creates an undying drive, an insatiable appetite, an unquenchable thirst, and an intense fervency. We all know people that were super laid back and super quiet, maybe even passive, and, but you touch that part that makes them come alive and suddenly they come out of obscurity. Suddenly they're no longer that wallflower. Now they're like a heat-seeking missile because you touched something that made them come alive. You touched a passion of theirs. You touch a strong uh, desire, an intense desire. You touch something that made them come alive, that, 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 that suddenly touched that unsatisfied part of their lives. How satisfied are you? Man, we, 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 God's dealing with us from the very beginning of this year. Don't be satisfied. Oh, we'll talk about how we can be content. Amen. But that doesn't mean we have to be satisfied. That's another subject for another time. 
But understand how valuable this is. Passion will take you places and cause you to do things you would never do without it. Wow. Back to 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. Wow. I see two important truths here in this verse. Amen. That, that is imperative for you to understand if you want to dream God's dream. As you strongly desire, as you take pleasure in, as you bend your will towards, as you keep a heart that's soft and pliable before God, you establish an environment where now a divine exchange can take place. What is this divine exchange? This divine exchange happens in two parts. Part one, God places His desire in you, then causes you to desire those things as your own. Wow, really? See, you don't understand something. God knows you better than He knows yourself. God knows exactly what makes you tick. God knows exactly what makes you come alive. God knows what you love and what you don't. God understands your gift set. God understands what what makes your heart come alive. God understands the thing that, that really you enjoy the most. So because He knows you so well, He, not because He's some control freak, not because He wants you to be some robot, only do what He wants you to do, He works with you, knows you so well, that when He drops a desire in your heart, you know what it is? It's the hook that says, you got to come this way. Right? Because we're all tempted to go a whole bunch of different ways. Your friends want you to go one way. Mom wants you to go this way. Dad wants you to go this way. Maybe your family tree or legacy wants you to go this way. Right? But you got to understand something. God knows exactly what desires to put in your heart that will make you come alive. That will make you focused. That will make you realize, wow, man, that's even bigger than what I thought I could ever do. Could I really do that? And he puts his desires inside of you, which gets your attention because he knows what fits best on you. And then part two, once you understand that desire is in your heart and you realize, huh, really? You know what you do next? You own that desire as if it was yours. And then God brings it to pass as if it was yours, even though it started with him. Wow. Some of you have never heard that before. That's powerful. That's a divine exchange. That's how you know you're going to be dreaming God's dream. Desires that just don't go away. Desires that honor God. Now, I'm not talking about desiring your neighbor's wife. Okay? You need to sit on that thing and command that to go back to hell where it came from. Now, it's amazing what you have to say these days. I had a young believer say one, to me, one time to me, Pastor, I have such a big desire to sleep with my girlfriend. I said, well, that's interesting, um, but that's one of those desires that are not from God, and, uh, and let's talk about that for a little bit, um, and, and that's a desire that when that comes up after you're married or you're desired to want to do that with your wife, now that's a desire born of God, but before you're married, that doesn't come from God. Just because it's a strong desire doesn't mean you should yield to that desire. Am I in the right room? That might be 101 to you, but to some people, to some people, that's a novel idea. Really? Yes, really. So we're talking about when you put God first, these desires honor who? 
God. These desires line up with his word. These desires are, are truly desires that, that when they don't go away, the first building in Winchester, when that building, when, 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 when that building came to our attention, a desire, a supernatural desire dropped in my heart. I didn't hear the voice of God. I didn't see angels. I didn't hear, have an open vision. An airplane didn't write in the sky, this is your building, Pastor Jonathan. No, a desire that didn't go away. A desire that got my attention. A desire that made me pray. A desire that made me go tilt because we didn't have the money to pay for it. Right? But it wasn't about how. It's not about how. It's never about how. It's always about obeying God. Amen. Amen. And who knew that that building bought for a million nine would sell 10 years later for $13 million when it was only worth six. That's called highway robbery. <laughs> Amen. That, that's called a God miracle. Amen. We didn't have $7 million to buy this building. Amen. But you know what? When, when, when we, we saw this building before that building sold, and all we had when we had that building was $140,000 in our, in our building fund that was given to us, amen, as a tithe off of a business transaction, our largest check ever given to us, we turned that around because that wasn't enough to buy this building. We turned it into a seed and gave it to the Dream Center in L.A., and that thing exploded to $13 million and $7.1 to buy this building. Don't tell me God's not a God of miracles. My point in reminding that to you is all of this was one big desire that we just had to walk out and pray out. A hook that said, come this way. A hook that says, now, don't think about what your checkbook says. Don't think about what you cannot do. Don't think about this or that. Trust me. A desire that got my eyes off me and our checkbook and our circumstances and on to something bigger than what we could have ever done by ourselves. Am I in the right room today? I'm preaching myself happy. I hope you're feeling the same way today. A divine exchange. A desire that was originally his put inside of my heart that I want. Man, that's good. I take ownership of it. And then he turns around and gives me the desires of my heart that were originally his in the first place. Man, that's divine exchange. How do you know if you're dreaming God's dream? Begin with God, not yourself. Number two, pay attention to the divine exchange. Number three, last but not least, apply God's litmus test. Apply God's litmus test. There's a litmus test? Absolutely. Four parts of this litmus test. <clears throat> Number one, here it is. Is it bigger than you? Is it bigger than you? Listen very carefully. By nature, God's dreams are impossible. Oh, thanks, Pastor. That's just what I needed to hear. Yeah, you do need to hear it. By nature, God's dreams are impossible. They're bigger than you. It's meant that way because God requires faith for every dream. God requires that He gets all the honor and all the glory. When we bought this building, people weren't going around saying, man, Pastor Jonathan, he's pretty something. He's pretty amazing. No, they all said Pastor Jonathan wasn't smart enough for that to happen. That's exactly what they said. That's exactly what Pastor Jonathan was saying. 
There's no way I was smart enough to figure that out. There's no way I figured out that that building would sell for that price or this or that. There's no way. See, when God does something, he gets all the honor and glory for it. Pastor Jonathan was not smart enough to figure that out. But God knew how to figure it out. And God put the desire inside of us way back years before that over time created where we are today. Can you see the value of obeying God and making sure we have a divine exchange? Number two, what's the second thing that we need a litmus test? Does it have you? Here's God's dream. Here's me. If I have the dream, guess what? When times get tough, last too long, get discouraged, what's going on? I can let go of the dream. But when the dream has you. That's a whole different story. This dream has me. This dream doesn't let me go. This dream is consuming. This dream has a hold of me. Amen. 36 years, and we're finally seeing some fruit. Amen. Over the years, it's been wonderful. It's been good. It's been a little here, a little there. But man, this dream has had us. This dream has me. And when the dream has you, hold on. Because you won't be able to let it go. You try to. You're done with it. Get out of here. I don't want you any longer. You're just too hard. You're taking so long. I didn't expect all this heartache. I didn't expect all this challenge. I didn't expect that, that you would require so much of me. Wow. Number three, is it about people? God's dreams are all about people. They're not about your fragile ego. They're not about your bottom line. They're not about you being rich. Not about you being big man on campus. It's not about you being the, the centerpiece and all the applause and the attention goes to you. Now, I'm not suggesting God won't reward you because God always rewards hard work. But it has to be about people. It has to be about people. When it's about people, God will make sure you get blessed. God will make sure that whatever has to happen, whatever the, the, the benefit of it all happens for this business or, or you're out of your education or uh, obeying God and the call of God upon your life, God will bless you, but it has to start with people. If the dream doesn't bless your family first, it's not a dream from God. God's dream should bless your family, it should bless your church, it should bless your community, it should bless your nation. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. I believe God knows how to do this. God knows how to put it all together. God knows how to make it all happen. Is it about people? And then last but not least, finally, number four. Are you willing to sacrifice for it? Are you willing to sacrifice for it? it? It will require your all. It will require your time, your talent, your treasure. It has consumed me. It, is, it has caused me to eat, drink, and sleep International Family Church. I don't expect anybody else to eat, drink, and sleep International Family Church like I do. Because one day I will stand before God and give an account for every decision. Everything we did, how we help people, every time I go into a counseling session, every time somebody's asking for counsel, 
Anybody time somebody's saying, what about this, Pastor? What, are we going to go this direction or that direction? What about the timing of this? And what about the timing of that? I am well aware that every decision I make, I'm going to stand before God one day and give an account for those decisions. Now, I'm not going to let you off the hook either. Because you're going you're to stand before God one day and give an account. Did you help that man do it? Did you help that man do it? Did you come side alongside your pastor? Do you call yourself a partner of IFC? Did you come alongside and make it easier for all of us with your support and your supply and your gifting? Or did you just come to soak it all in and, and just get fat? Oh, I'm being real, aren't I? Because it's real. It's real. And we need to understand how real it is. All that, you know, you're never too young or too old to dream big dreams. You're never the wrong sex or the wrong race to dream big dreams. And the amount of money or education you have doesn't matter. What really matters is, first of all, are you satisfied? And this attitude, this heart's cry, I'm not satisfied, has motivated us from way back that I can remember. I'm not satisfied was the motivation for us to believe God for a miracle when Berna's womb could not give birth to children. I'm not satisfied made me cry out to God as the head of my household and say, God, it's not right. You told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Why can't my wife be fruitful and multiply? And out of not being satisfied, I lay hands on her womb in the innocence of not knowing much about healing and much about restoration or much about God's will concerning those things. And the four specials we went to, she was pregnant. We didn't know it. It all started with, I'm not satisfied. What got us through four years of suffering in our marriage, four years of failed relationship, four years of fighting and contention, four years of insecurity and four years of fear and four years of being at each other and nagging at each other and trying to change each other? What changed? What changed was this dream. I'm not satisfied. This is not the marriage I expected. This is not the marriage that I want. This is not what God's plan for me was. And the I'm not satisfied motivated us to say there's better for us. We don't have to live this way. Amen. And that, that attitude, I'm not satisfied, is really why we are having this marriage, XO marriage conference this weekend, Friday and Saturday, for all of you that are not satisfied. Now, if you're satisfied, you don't need to be there. But if you're not satisfied, I would do whatever I have to do, married or unmarried, single or married, longing to be married, wanting a better marriage. If that is any part of your dream, I'm telling you, it's the place to be. And you can sign up in the hub today because it's going to change your life. Wow. I'm not satisfied. And secondly, the willingness to dream God's dream. Not everybody's willing. Not everybody is willing to dream God's dream. Not everybody is willing to do that. You know why? Here's the honest to goodness truth, and I close with this. With God, it's never about the dream. It's always about the dreamer of the dream. Why does God put a dream in your heart? Because He wants to change you. Why does God put a dream in your heart? Because He wants your character to grow. 
He wants you to grow up. He wants you to stand up in the stature of, of, of how to be able to be the person God wants you to be. He wants your character to grow. He wants you to be in Christ. He wants you to, to blossom and grow. God loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He cares for you. He sees your future. He sees what could be yours. If you'll just say, I'm not satisfied. And I'm also willing to dream God's dream. I have never, ever, ever, ever thought once I should have never started dreaming God's dream. Never have I thought that. I've been tempted to let it go. I've been tempted to wonder if I'm the man to continue to do it. It stretched my capacities. It stretched my abilities. It stretched my ability. It made me educate myself and learn and grow and stretch and become a better communicator and a better person in so many areas of my life, a better husband, a better father, a better pastor, a better a grandfather, on and on it goes. But it's never about the dream. It's the hook in your mouth to say, you know what, you're making it about the dream, but God has another agenda. And his agenda is to make you the dream, is to make you the person that you need to be. Oh, my goodness. Amen. God's dream changes you first before your dream can ever impact others. Wow. There are no shortcuts. There's no rich scheme here. It's just the way he, his kingdom operates. And man, the earthly and eternal benefits that come out of you being willing to dream God's dream are amazing. I am one blessed man. I am. I am blessed. My family is blessed. By no means are we perfect. We have all kind of issues just like you. I mentioned a few of them last week about some of the things that we have to believe God for, we stand for, we recognize that we got to press like you do, just like anybody else has to. But I'm telling you, when you will let your hearts cry, I'm not satisfied, and let that take you to that divine exchange of His desires for your desires, I'm telling you what, you will never be the same again. He's trying to get our attention this year. He's trying to tell you, church, don't be satisfied. There's more. Don't be satisfied. There's more of His plan and purpose for you. I pray as you sit there today, you're soaking us in and saying, you know what? That's true. I'm not satisfied. And I dare you to pray that prayer. I dare you to say to God, God, I really am not satisfied. And watch what he'll do for you if you're willing to dream his dream. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Come on, lift up your voice towards heaven today. Oh, my, I went way over my time. What else is new? Thank you, Jesus. So good. Thank you, Father, for your presence in this place today. Thank you for your love. Will you tell the Lord you love him today? Because he sure loves you today. He knows you better than you know yourself. He understands the season you're in right now. Your life is a gift from God. And what you do with it is the gift you give back to God. Oh, Father, in Jesus' name. 
Thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. We love you. Oh, Lord, we surrender ourselves to you right now. Raise those hands towards heaven, the universal sign of surrender. Come on, raise those hands towards heaven if you can. Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. We raise them towards heaven today, Father God, and surrender to you, to your will and to your plan. Father, we raise these hands saying we want more of you and less of us. It's all about you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You're here and you say, Pastor Jonathan, I need this Jesus that I hear about today. I need this spirit. I need this desire. I need this to get right in my life. I'm here to tell you today that the way to get to that kind of desire and that kind of dream is right through Jesus. Jesus is the way to be the dreamer. He is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through His Son, Jesus, today. I want to make sure you know Him as your Lord and Savior. I want to make sure your sins are forgiven today. I want to make sure heaven is your home today. I want to make sure you're right with God today. I want to make sure you start your journey with the right first step. Amen. Letting God be the center. Letting God be the one. And making sure that Jesus lives inside of your heart today. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, you've never said yes to Jesus, and today is the first day you know inside of your hearts, I need to make sure Jesus lives inside of my heart. I want to make sure my sins are forgiven and heaven is my home. Pray for me, Pastor. If that's you today, I want to know who you are. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to embarrass you today. This is a personal decision between you and God. You say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus today. Raise it up nice and high. Come on. I want to pray for you. Raise it up high today. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Raise it up high today. Who else? Thank you. I see it back there. Thank you. God bless you. Yes. Who else? Yes, sir. Thank you. Good for you. Yeah, I love how hands go up so fast. Thank you over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I see it. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you over there on the side. Thank you. God bless you. Yes, I see it. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. Yeah, I see it. Over there. Yep, I see all three of you. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Who else? Thank you. Yes. Good for you, ma'am. Yes. Who else? This is one of those no judgment zones. Nobody's judging you why you're raising your hand today. That's none of our business. All, that, all we care about is you're saying yes to God today. Yes to Jesus who loves you today. Yes to your Savior today. Yes for the one who died for you and shed his blood for you but didn't stay dead. He's alive and well today. And he wants to live inside of your heart today. Who else will say, that's me. I'm so ready to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody else today? Yes, thank you. God bless you. Yeah, thank you. Over there, I see it all the way in the corner. God bless you. Who else? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. I know our time is up. Smile at all the people that are waiting to come in today as you leave the doors today. <laughs> Say it's pastor's fault. He went way too long today. Amen. But I, I'm not apologizing for going too long. When the Spirit of God's there, you get to just go with the flow. Amen. Come on, let's pray this prayer together, all of us together. Join us online, please. Father, in Jesus' name, here's my heart. I need you, Jesus. I'm not going to do this myself. I just messed it up. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me from my sin. I denounce my past. I want to live for you. I want to do this your way not my way. I declare you as my Lord 
my Savior. I will serve you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name.